Welcome to the 18th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition, we focus on college basketball, including a look back at last week's most significant games and a detailed discussion of the conference championship contenders in the major conferences with multiple NCAA bids at stake. Let's jump right in with a look back at some of last week's most significant games in college basketball. And Patrick, let's start with a couple games from last Friday. Uh, Clemson beat Georgia Tech 74-72, to both those teams unranked. That is getting really close to the nail in the coffin for Georgia Tech's tournament chances. Uh, it's a good win for Clemson, probably keeps them in a pretty comfortable position, but Georgia Tech really honestly falling off the bubble at that point. And Illinois, number six in the country, barely beat Nebraska 77-72 in overtime. This was really surprising that Nebraska kept this close. Uh, prior to this game, didn't have a win the entire year in the Big Ten. All right, and that's it for uh, Friday's action. Only a couple games there, but Saturday we got ten games to talk about. So, Patrick, why don't you start us off in the Big Ten? Seems like every Saturday there's every ranked team is in play. Uh, <laughs> uh, number four, Ohio State beat Indiana 78-59 while the committee reveal, top 16 reveal was going on. Number 17, Florida State beat Wake Forest 92-85 to in overtime. Number 22, Loyola Chicago hammered Drake 81-54. to Number 12, Oklahoma beat number 14, West Virginia 91-90 in double overtime. And honestly, what could have been the game of the year? They played an excellent game fighting for second place, possibly. Uh, it was, I think, for second place at the time of the game, though it might not be now. And it might be a very, very important result for tournament seeding. Uh, definitely want to avoid Baylor playing Baylor early in that conference tournament. LSU upset number 16, Tennessee, 78-65. to LSU really separating themselves from the high-end bubble teams, kind of putting themselves safely in the tournament with that win. Number 15, Iowa destroyed Michigan State, 88-58. to Michigan State already had a lot of work to do before the loss, and now they have even more left to do if they want to try to make the tournament. Number 11, Alabama beat Georgia 115-82. to uh, They're trying to move into the top 20 in offensive efficiency, obviously scoring 115 points. Uh, Arkansas upset number 10, Missouri, 86-81 to in overtime, which meant that Missouri lost immediately after the committee reveal. Not a good sign for them after they were replaced as the lowest-ranked four seed. Creighton, number 19, upset number 5, Villanova, 86-70. Creighton was shooting the lights out of the ball. They kind of ran Villanova out of the gym in this game. They were up by, I think, 20 for a large part of the second half, shooting about 75% from three at some point. And then number 9, Virginia, beat North Carolina, 60-48. All right, let's go for a couple games on Sunday again, starting with the Big Ten. Number three, Michigan beat number 21, Wisconsin, 67 to 59. That is off a 23-day COVID pause, and they came back down from 12 points down to beat Wisconsin. What an amazing performance. I know you might have something to say about that. On the road also. Let's, uh, let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, Drake upset number 22, Loyola Chicago, 51 to 50 in overtime after Loyola Chicago had beaten them by 27 the day before. I really like what the Missouri Valley Conference is doing uh, with those back-to-backs with teams. makes it very easy on the travel for a small conference. And also, it's really interesting when teams play each other back-to-back. And like we said in the NBA, a lot of times that back-to-back, the teams split. Uh, that happened in the Missouri Valley Conference. We'll talk about those teams a little bit later in the podcast. Let's move to the only significant game on Monday. 
Number 17, Florida State, upset. Well, I wouldn't say it was much of an upset, but beat number 9, Virginia, 81-60. They just destroyed them on both sides of the ball. If you had told me that one team would score 60 points in this game and the other team would, and that team would lose, I would assume that Virginia held Florida State to 60 and probably won about 65 to 60, something like that. That's normally Virginia's thing, has been their identity under Tony Bennett for a while, holding teams to very low amounts of points. But credit to Florida State for getting the win. That that puts them in prime position to win the ACC regular season, although Virginia, uh, by not having as many COVID postponements as Florida State has, is still in the lead currently. Yeah, we'll be talking about these two teams also later in the podcast as we look at potential conference championship uh, matches and, and uh, potential there. Uh, this game actually was a blowout, and then Virginia, it looked like it was over at halftime. Yep. Virginia made a crazy run to get it close, I think maybe to seven points. Yep. And Florida State was kind of like, no, we don't lose at home, and they just stomped I think I think they made. I later. think they made a 13-point run to go from 20 to 7, and then Florida State went on a 12-0 run to put it back to 19, and it was over from there. Yeah, difficult to beat the Seminoles at home. Yep. Uh, all right, let's move on to Tuesday's action. Number 24, newly entered into the polls, Arkansas beat, number, beat Florida 75-64, to 64, who actually fell out of the polls last week. And Georgia upset number 20, Missouri, 80-70. to 70. I mean, I've given Missouri a lot of flack for, for a few losses. And, and even when they'd beaten Alabama before, when I was really high on Alabama, I kind of said, I don't really care. Alabama's still going to win the SEC. But this loss is, they, they still haven't won since the committee reveal. It's insane. Um <laughs> it's they just an, to, they lost to Ole Miss before they lost to Arkansas too. I don't know yes, they lost to Ole Miss. Insane. They lost to Ole Miss. Um, they lost to Ole Miss the Wednesday, uh, three or four days before the, the committee reveal. reveal. They get revealed. Then lost again at at before to Arkansas while the after they had revealed that on the day of the reveal, and then lost again on Tuesday to Georgia. By the way, Georgia, don't let the record deceive you. This is not a good 12-8 and 8 team. This is a 12-8 and 8 team that really has played a schedule that you would find in a mid-major. They have not beaten a single good team all year. This is their first good win. They're nowhere near the bubble or anything. There are plenty of teams with losing records that are closer to the tournament than Georgia is. So not a good team that they, that they lost to. Yeah, Missouri clearly can't handle success. I know they did have in the Arkansas game, they had one of their top players out. I don't know if he missed this game too, but they got to learn how to handle success. All right, let's move on to Wednesday. Number 22, Loyola Chicago beat Valparaiso 54-52. Important bounce back for Loyola Chicago. Narrow, they only had three games left on their schedule after this game, so it's very important for them to keep winning and locking up the conference. Uh, locking up the conference. Uh, number 17, USC beat Arizona State. 89 to 71. Again, USC continuing their surge. That's also probably Arizona State's last 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 chance to get a real big win. Uh, they will have to win the tournament to get into the NCAA tournament at this time. Yeah, we've talked about Arizona State being a really disappointing team this year. They were they were I think top 20 heading into the season and then played really well against Villanova at the beginning of the year at the uh, in the Mohegan Sun. Uh, bubble in Bubbleville, but that ever since then injuries have kind of marred their season. But still, not a not a great season from them. And then Indiana beat Minnesota eighty-two to seventy-two at home. That was a very important game for those two teams. They're both on the bubble. Uh, probably puts Indiana in a safe position, but demotes Minnesota to real danger of missing the tournament. 
And I would say that a lot of people had those two teams like right next to each other or within two or three teams of each other in the bracket. And the winner of that game was probably going to be in a decent position. And the loser was going to be in a very, very precarious one, especially considering that they play in the Big Ten and will have to play tough games down the stretch. All right. And finally, let's wrap it up with Thursday's critical action. Number 11, Iowa beat number 21, Wisconsin, 77-62. to 62. Iowa was somehow a one-and-a-half-point underdog at home against Wisconsin coming into this game, but they definitely looked like the much better team. In fact, I was I was trying to do my, uh, my weekend predictions a little early this week to get that game in because I could say I picked an upset right because I knew Iowa was going to win that game. Uh, Wichita State upset number six, Houston, 68-63. This was really, really surprising to me, uh, especially after Houston lost to East Carolina and Tulsa earlier in the season. I thought that down the stretch, they would uh, really just not be able to slip up against teams that are significantly, well, maybe not significantly in Wichita State's case, but against teams that are worse than them, clearly less talented on paper. I thought that by, by this time in the season, they'd have it under control and they'd be beating these teams. Yeah, not a, another team with not a good look after the uh, tournament committee put them as a number two seed in its reveal, and then they just, you know what, the bed there against Wichita State. Number four, Ohio State beat Penn State 92-82, to and number three, Michigan beat Rutgers 71-64, a pair of Big Ten teams taking care of their business before they play each other on Sunday. And that could very well be the game of the year, definitely one of the most anticipated matchups of the year, and we'll talk about those two teams in our next segment, but let's wrap up this segment with your player of the week, and I guess we're staying in the Big Ten. I give it to Joe Wieskamp from Iowa. He averaged 19 points, 7.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, shooting 77% from the three-point line in Iowa's wins over Michigan State and Wisconsin. He made five threes in both games, uh, five of six in one game and five of seven in the other. Really came through in, in some in some times where Iowa needed a clutch basket. I mean, obviously, you don't need much cl- many clutch baskets when you're beating the team by 30. But he definitely contributed to it, also considering that Luca Garza didn't actually snap his streak of 40-plus games with, with uh, double-digit scoring in that game. All right, well, that wraps up our look back at last week. It's action in college basketball. Let's turn and look forward to what's coming up in the final weeks of the regular season here. So, Patrick, based on what you've seen so far this season, let's discuss the conference championship contenders in the conferences that you have projected to have multiple NCAA bids in your latest bracket predictions. Let's go in your order of projected number of overall tournament bids for each uh, each conference based on uh, your most recent bracket update. So we'll start with the Big Ten that you have projected to get 10 bids to the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think there's four teams in the race still. Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, and Iowa. Michigan has a 10-1 record. Ohio State has a 12-4 conference record. Illinois has an 11-3 record. And Iowa has a 10-5 record. I was really only in it because they're playing Michigan still. Uh, they don't really, if Illinois or, or Ohio State sweep Michigan, those two collectively, they don't have a chance because they've already lost their games to those teams. But... Michigan, I think, is still the winner of this conference, even though they do play all of those three other teams. I think the two games against Michigan State are likely wins, and the and the game against Indiana, also same thing there. Uh, those are three wins that you can get and move yourself up to 13-1. and one. You could split, you could win one out of three, or probably two out of three against Ohio State, Illinois, and Iowa, or maybe even all three of them, and you'd still win the conference. So, just a little point here, the Big Ten reshuffled its schedule 
Michigan had a bunch of games that it didn't play because the, the the aforementioned COVID pause. One of those games was its only matchup against Illinois that has now been rescheduled. And the other one was one of its two matchups against Michigan State that has been rescheduled, the home game. And so Michigan now ends with a back-to-back separated by a couple days against Michigan State, uh, the games you're referring to. So I, I sort of agree with you, but I disagree with you. I, I clearly agree with you that Michigan has the upper hand. It's up two in the loss column heading into its big matchup with Ohio State. I think if Michigan beats Ohio State... Or, I think it's over there. It, I mean, it, it, I it, actually saw ESPN's BPI also said if Michigan beat Rutgers, they had an 81% chance to win the conference prior to the rescheduling of the Illinois game, which is very important, which is why it changed a little bit. But I would say that now the Ohio State game brings that guarantee. Yeah, I think if Michigan beats Illinois or Ohio State, just because they're up two in the loss column over Illinois and three at Ohio State, that basically they're going to win the conference yeah. title. I think Iowa is out of it. They're, they have five losses, so they're already four back in the loss column of Michigan. They need to beat Michigan and Ohio State, and they need Michigan to lose to both Illinois and Ohio State. So that's Michigan losing to Iowa, Ohio State, and Illinois, and Iowa also beating um, also also beating Ohio State. They look good for a double buy into the Big Ten in the Big Ten tournament, yeah. which goes to the one through four team. Um, the only other thing I'd say, Ohio State, if you want to take a look at this, Ohio's three of their final four games against are against the other teams who are vying for the title. So they do, Ohio State gets hot. Kind of same thing as Michigan. Same thing as Michigan, although Michigan's got... Uh, in a, a little bit of a longer span. But, and, and, yeah. and Michigan has more room for error because they're, right. they're already up two in the loss column. Right. So, all right, we both agree with Michigan, which I think uh, we're thinking with our heads and with our hearts. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll, we hope we're, we're right in that regard. Let's move over to the Big 12 that you have predicted uh, to get seven bids. Yeah, the Big 12 has, I think, six really, really good teams, and uh, I guess you could say a seventh, and then TCU is kind of in the middle, and the two teams at the bottom are awful. But Baylor is the clear, clear cut favorite to win this conference. They still have not lost a game this season. They've played just about anybody they could have been asked to play in the conference. Uh, the closest team to them in the standings is Kansas at 10 and 5, and Baylor is 9 and 0. Uh, Oklahoma's eight and four, and then West Virginia and Texas are tied for fourth at seven and four. You could say they're close to them in the win column, and in fact, Kansas is ahead of them. But Baylor has already beaten Kansas, and uh, Kansas plays Texas Tech, Texas, and Baylor at the end of the season for their last three games. So likely those teams are going to have some friendly fire there, take each other out, and Baylor is easily going to cruise to the conference victory, especially considering that they had, I think, three games postponed against West Virginia, two against West Virginia, and one against Texas Tech. Had a lot of their hard games postponed, but also won every hard game they played. Yeah, it's all about second place here. Uh, the Big 12 had five teams listed in the bracket preview top 16, but unlike the Big 10, where they had four teams projected and two of them were one seeds, and the next was the second highest, it was the next highest team, the highest rated two seeds, so the three, four, and five team, the Big 12 had... One team one, at the one top, seed one team at the top, a few threes and, then and fours. Two three yeah. seeds and two four seeds. Yeah. This conference race is over. Baylor's up five in the loss column on Kansas and four on Oklahoma. It's all about second place. So uh, let's talk about second place here. Um, I think it's Oklahoma. They have the easiest road left. Uh, assuming last week's game against Texas isn't rescheduled, they they don't. There's none of the friendly fire that you talked about. Unlike Kansas, who's got to play Texas Tech, Texas, and Baylor with the makeup of potentially against Iowa State and Texas who has West Virginia, Kansas, and Texas Tech. I, I just think there's too many losses there, and that Oklahoma having already having uh, one less loss than Kansas and one more win than the other teams vying for second place 
then Oklahoma ends up with second place in the conference. Well, I actually think Kansas does have a great chance of getting second place because I think that they are going to beat Texas Tech and Texas. Um, I think that that if but you end up with, Baylor, yeah, but if you end up with twelve and six there, then Oklahoma would still, I think, be would still have the possibility of barely falling under Kansas. Uh, but I don't know. I, I don't know on the math on that but one. Not, but they're not going to they're not going to lose two other games. Oklahoma, they got an easy road. Well, if Oklahoma wins, loses one more game, though, do they? Does the math know. check out for, I don't for Kansas know. Fran- or not? I don't, and I don't know the makeup rules. I don't know if yeah. they reschedule the games. And, and who just knows had, about? They, and some of these postponements, by the way, they weren't COVID postponements. They were due to the uh, the weather situation down there. And who knows how whether there's going to be more postponements this weekend, given the conditions down in Texas. I also think actually that Kansas Kansas chances can can rely on the fact that. Um, all the teams they play left are in Texas. If this weather front continues, they might not play a game for or, the rest of the season. Or they'll play a Baylor team that hasn't played in a month. And Baylor definitely, I, I wouldn't say they, they I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pick against Baylor in any game against anybody, including against Gonzaga. But I do think that the rhythm, as you saw with the Michigan game in the first half being down 12, I think that Kansas is good enough that they could get the lead early on Baylor and be able to keep it if Baylor gets their stuff together in the second half still. Interesting point you made there about Kansas, you know, being not as impacted by the weather. Obviously their practices haven't been shut down. I know for a fact Texas, uh, the University of Texas has been shut down. Texas Tech, I imagine, some major weather impacts. Baylor maybe not so much. Very hard for Texas Tech to travel, too, if yep. they have to so get that's, too That's low. an interesting yeah. point. This weather may work to Kansas's advantage. All right, unless you got anything else from the Big 12, I think we beat that up enough. Let's move over to the SEC, uh, where you have them with six projected NCAA tournament bids. Yeah, I have the, I think the top six in the standings, maybe maybe the seventh team might be in there because Tennessee has been having a rough conference year, and same thing as uh, Missouri. But, look... I said it at like five and zero for Alabama. They, they won the SEC a long time ago. They were they were still undefeated when there were two other te- when the second place and third place team had three losses already, and they had already beaten both of the teams right under them. Uh, Missouri was the only chance was the only team with a legitimate chance to beat Alabama for this race if they had beaten them in the head to head and not see and found a way to not lose any other games and and just hope that Alabama loses a game but Alabama's 12 and 1 the next closest team is Arkansas at 9 and 4 and LSU at 8 and 4 it's really not much of a race i think Alabama can win the conference with one i think they literally clinch the conference with one win because Arkansas only has 3 games left and could only get to 12 and 4 even with the win over Alabama Alabama would end up 13 and 4 and they would be 1 and 1 against each other that would be Alabama winning the conference. Yeah, you covered this. This is like the Big 12. It's Alabama and everyone else. Arkansas is the only team with a chance to catch Alabama because they play them at home and they if they beat them there, which uh, I don't think they will by the way. Yeah, if they if they beat them, Alabama won the first matchup a- of the season by 21 points. Yeah, so. if they beat them they need Alabama to lose 2 of 3. Versus and those games are Vanderbilt at Mississippi State and versus Auburn. No, they need them to lose all three. Right? No, no, two of three. If they beat them and they win two of three, they would need to win out, and then and they would need Alabama to lose two of those other three games to just tie them in the loss column. So I mean, good luck, Arkansas. It's not happening. All right, uh, I think we've killed that one too. Let's move on to the ACC, where Patrick has six teams projected to get an NCAA tournament bid. 
Yeah, this is a really tight race. I, li- I like the way that the ACC is ending. I feel like it's always a very interesting ending. Though it may normally be the same teams. Uh, this year you probably... It's it's mainly the same teams except for with the subtraction of Duke and North Carolina, who are typically at the top fighting with Virginia and Florida State. This year you have Virginia at 11-2, and two, number one. FSU, Florida State at 8-2 and two at second, and then L- and then Virginia Tech at 8-3 and three in third. The interesting thing about this is that Virginia actually lost to both of these teams, and they, but those are the only losses they've had this season, and they don't play either of them again for the rest of the season. So, because of the fact that Virginia has beaten every other team thrown in front of them, I think they only play two, if, if even two. It's I know it's one. It might it might be two, probably one or two. The teams with a winning record. The, yeah, the remaining there's schedules. not. It, it's there's no chance for the them to lose. The remaining schedules at Duke, North Carolina State, Miami at Louisville. Yeah, probably. I, I think Louisville could have a chance that if Louisville starts slumping towards the end of the season, that that they would need that game and get a little desperate and maybe beat them. But other than that, I don't see a possibility. So we mentioned in the look back at last week how big Florida State's win over Virginia was for their title hopes because they've now tied them in the loss column. But Virginia, And Virginia has such a favorable schedule left. If you look at Florida State and uh, Virginia Tech, who are 8-3, you 8-2, know, 8-3 and three, eight and two, um, being Virginia Tech, Florida State 8-2, and two, uh, they were supposed to play each other on last Wednesday, which really would have separated the next title contender. That game's postponed. Don't know if it's going to get rescheduled. Um, I think that realistically, looking at this, the only team that has a chance to catch Virginia is Louisville. Louisville six and three, so they're technically three games back in the standings. But they play they play Virginia the last game of the year, so they could catch them that way. And the rest of their schedule, they've they've got more games to play at North Carolina. Um, they've got Notre Dame at Duke at Virginia Tech. So they got to get through Virginia Tech, but they do play the teams in front of them. So I think Louisville's the only team with a real chance uh, to catch Virginia. Again, Florida State could could tie them if if uh, or could t- Florida State could run the table and then have Louisville help them by spoiling it the last week of the season. You know, it's actually funny you say that because I looked at Louisville's schedule and I kind of said, can they can they actually get there? And I just saw the schedule and I just first of all, I don't think they're going to beat Virginia, so I just don't think that it's worth mentioning them. But the other thing is. I don't know. I mean, we talk about the math checking out. This is the problem with teams not playing the same amount of games in conference. It's not as easy as what's your record out of 20 games with how many you have left. It's it's really down to very, uh, it's win percentage numbers that you'd have to calculate. At least we think for now. Uh, actually, you saw the Mount, you saw the West Coast Conference with Gonzaga move to Ken Palm efficiency adjusted win percentage to decide standings because of the disparity of games. It's a crazy year, but um. I do think that it's possible that Louisville could get there, but I just don't see it with with the two ga- the two big games that they have yeah. to play. I don't think they win both of them. They've got the, the, their their fates in their own hands. They have to run the table, and they need a Florida State loss, and probably is, also another Virginia loss too. Well, they beat Virginia. They would so to tie them. Beat Virginia, yes, to have to win it out. Virginia would probably be fifteen and three or so, yeah. and Louisville would be stuck at like eleven and three. 11 though, and so three. that would and be. They need Florida State to lose, and you might say, "Oh, Florida State doesn't lose. They don't lose at home." They have three of their final four. I think four of their final games are on the road. Yeah, at Pitt, at Miami, at North Carolina, Boston College, and at Notre Dame. So if Florida State's great at home. They could lose that game. So um, I think again, we've we've done that. We both agree on Virginia. Have we disagreed on anything yet? Not yet, but I well, think I think it's about to change. Yeah, two. I mean, the two the Big Twelve and the SEC are basically over. 
Um, so really, in the Big Ten, it's pretty, pretty, pretty much slanted in Michigan's favor. So let's move on to some other conferences where we may disagree, and that just might be because you know a lot more about a lot of these teams than I do. Let's go to the Big East, uh, who you have projected to get five bids. Now, I think we might agree on this one, but I have Villanova. But it is very close because Villanova and Creighton do play each other one more time in the season. Uh, Creighton and, and Villanova are 1-2, and two, Villanova being number 1 at 8-2, and two, and Creighton being number 2 at 12-4. and four. Technically, if you were to go by a typical baseball standings, <laughs> yeah. Creighton is actually we winning this yeah. because they're up because they're eight games above five above five hundred and Villanova six. But so technically, the they're lo- winning, but they are two back in in the loss column, which means that they don't that by win percentage, Villanova is slightly better. It's eight hundred to seven fifty. Uh, the only way that and, Creighton but, sorry, could baseball baseball Seton Hall be in second place, a half game back. That is also true. Uh, Villanova really only has a chance, or, or Villanova or Creighton really are the only ones with chances. Creighton is... I don't see Creighton beating Villanova twice in the same season. I just don't see it happening. I don't see Jay Wright letting his team slip up a conference a conference title to Creighton after having the upper hand for most of the season and literally just needing to take, to take care of business in one out of two games to win. I, I don't see it happening. Yeah, neither do I. So we agree again, it's, it's Villanova. Let's move to the Pac-12 which I think, I mean, Pac-12 is so hard to predict. There's been so many postponements impacting the schedule. Um, they, you've got them with four teams headed to the NCAA tournament. What are your thoughts here? And let's see maybe if we disagree on something. This is probably, this got this is this has USC one written all over it. Uh, USC is number one at 12 and two. UCLA is number two at 11 and three. And Oregon is number three at eight and three. USC and UCLA play each other on the final day of the season. Yep. Uh, Oregon doesn't play either of them because they had the games against them postponed. They will not play them for the entire season unless one of those they two had, games. They get... had four postponements against UCLA. They tried to reschedule yeah. the two games twice. And actually very interesting because the first game actually, believe it or not, got postponed because a ref tested positive, so not even the, not even the team's fault. But uh, it's a very, very interesting race there. But I, I think... If you look at the matchup, you know, I, I say a lot of these teams when they play each other twice will go one and one if they're evenly matched. I don't think USC and UCLA are evenly matched because USC has the best big man in the country and and actually probably two of the best five-ish with the Mobley brothers, but UCLA, I think, doesn't play a player. I think the stat is over 6'8 in their rotation, like, at all. So they just can't guard them. They lost by 20 in the first matchup. I see USC winning the matchup on the final day of the season taking the Pac-12. All right, I, I, I agree with you, but for the sake of making things interesting, and I like these kind of, this kind of craziness and chaos, especially uh, with this year. Um, yeah, I think USC is going to beat UCLA at Poly Pavilion, but uh, especially without any fans. But let's, I, I, let's, let's USC go. could lose, however, to Stanford. Yeah, USC yeah. could lose to Stanford with Stanford being hungry for a tournament bid, actually. And Stanford played them pretty close last time uh, they played. I'll change my prediction just because I, I want somebody to figure out what happens in this instance because I researched it and I have no clue, and maybe there's not an answer. Uh, UCLA beats USC on the last game of the season. They both end up with three losses. Oregon wins the rest of its games. They play Utah at Stanford. Uh, they play Cal, I believe. Um, and at Oklahoma State. So they got an easy road. They haven't played either team. There's no head-to-head matchups because they didn't play SC this year. They have three, they have three losses. You got, a t- you got four teams, three teams with 
three losses in the conference. Who's your conference number one seed going into the tournament? I want to see that happen. So yeah. I'm predicting UCLA to upset SC at Pauley Pavilion on the last day of the season, Oregon to run the table, and let's see how Larry Scott uh, – oh, he got he's not there anymore. Let's, <laughs> let's see what the final act of Larry Scott madness play out here uh, and figure out who's the number one seed for the Pac-12 tournament. So I say Oregon sneaks in and causes a complete mess, three-way tie at the top, assuming that's how it works. All right, let's move to the Atlantic 10, where you also, like the Pac-12, have four teams getting NCAA tournament bids. Uh, I will say I have four teams getting in as of Wednesday, though, depending on some results today and from earlier in the week. Uh, they might only have two by the time I update my bracket tomorrow. But I think the winner of this conference is VCU. VCU is number one in the conference at nine and two. Davidson is number two at six and two. UMass is number three at six and two. Also, and St. Bonaventure is number four at eight and three. VCU and St. Bonaventure split the regular season series with each other one to one. So VCU has the advantage there. St. Bonaventure would have to win two more games than VCU wins for the rest of the season. Uh, Davidson does play VCU and St. Bonaventure, and they already beat UMass. So UMass, not really much of a chance. Uh, UMass is a team that I don't know how, but they still really haven't played. <laughs> Honestly, I don't want to be rude to them, but it, it feels like they've somehow found a way to dodge all the good teams in the A-10, though there are plenty of them. They haven't played any of them. They've mostly been uh, feasting off the bottom of the conference, and they don't really have much of a chance. But Davidson, if they win those two games against VCU and St. Bonaventure, I think they have a chance to win, but I just think VCU is too good for Davidson to beat. You're crazy. I'm going with Obi Toppin and a Dayton. Oh, that that was last year. Uh, <laughs> poor Dayton had had the season of probably the deck, not the decade, probably maybe even their last hundred years of their old history, and they, they, now they're mired down to fifth place. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a flyer and just be different from you, and I'm gonna say that Davidson fills uh, finds a way to, to pull it out here. I uh, have no reason why, other than I just don't want to pick the same thing as you. And <laughs> I'd like to move on to the Mountain West, which is always very interesting. Speaking so of go... teams who had a great run last year but didn't get to play the tournament. Yep. Let's go to the Mountain West, where you have two teams uh, with NCAA tournament bids. What are your thoughts here? The Mountain West and the A-10 kind of have a similar outlook. They have four or five teams that are really right on the edge of the tournament. And really only the conference winner is going to end up being safe. Uh, Boise State is the team to beat right now, 13-3, and three, though they are playing number two Utah State as we speak, who are 11-3. and three. I predicted Boise State to win that game. We'll see how it turns out. Still in progress, as I said. Number three is Colorado State at 11-3. and three. Number four is San Diego State, 10-3. and three. Obviously, they're the team I was talking about. They were projected a one seed last year and lost basically all their players and are now... They're still ranked this year, but uh, not in the lead of their conference. And Nevada, number five, is nine and five, though Nevada had already beaten Boise State twice, so they have the tiebreaker. And if Boise State, even if Boise State loses actually to Utah State tonight, they will have split their regular season series with all of these other teams, uh, except for that's pending the result of San Diego State against Boise State, who play each other twice. Uh, Utah State, Utah State's three games left are all against this top three are against this top five, um, one against, as I said, a bunch of times already against Boise State, and then two against Nevada, who beat Boise State twice. Nevada could sneak in, but I think this is Boise State. Um, I will agree with you that Boise State's going to win the conference. I will say that, as has happened a lot in the Mountain West, they are not going to win the conference tournament. So they might win the regular season conference championship, uh, but you're going to get somebody else who gets the, the conference's automatic bid, 
Um, I think that happens like almost every year that, in the yeah, Mountain West. I think San Diego State even actually lost to Utah State last yep. year when they were one seed. It was yep. their second loss of the season. So, whoever, so it doesn't matter. Whoever wins the the, the regular season probably gets themselves an NCAA tournament bid, but not the auto bid. And somebody yeah. else is getting the auto bid. The good news for and all they these probably teams, could get uh, another three teams, another another two or three, depending on yeah. what happens in the bubble with other conferences. But, another, but good news, good news for other bubble teams. Uh, this will make up for the fact that the Ivy League is not in the tournament this year. So you've got one of these bids. There's not as many. There's there's more room for bid stealing to go on without impacting some of the other bubble teams. All right, let's move to the Missouri Valley Conference. I think we're going to agree again. Yeah. Uh, Loyal Chicago, easily. They're 14-2. Drake is 12-2. No other team is really anywhere close. Loyal Chicago has two games left against uh, a very bad team in the middle of the standings. I think it's Eastern Illinois, who's 10-10 on the season overall. Uh, They should easily win those two games, and Drake should easily win their three, except for they have tied the season series 1-1, but Loyal Chicago, unless there are uh, makeup games for Drake, will end up with more games played. Yeah, uh, we talked about this in, in the look back last week. Uh, Drake's chance to win this conference ended last weekend yeah. when they didn't sweep Loyola Chicago. Got blown out uh, in the first game, and the second game was an overtime. Loyola Chicago, once again, is the class of this conference, and they will be a highly hyped Cinderella story going to the NCAA tournament, and I predict they will lose early. Uh, <laughs> it just it always happens. That well, way, right? they might actually have you know it's actually easier to run into the final four as an eleven seed than it is an, as an eight seed because you have to play the one seed in the second round. So they will lose early. Yeah. Uh, let's go on to the American Athletic Conference, fi- our final conference. We're going to talk about here. You've only got them getting one bid. Uh, let's hear your prediction. Well, actually, so, you know, we are using my bracket from Wednesday. Recently, as we just covered earlier in the in the podcast in our last segment, Wichita State did beat Houston, which moves them into the auto-bid spot for now, which means that Houston's technically an at-large, which means that technically, for now, they get two bids. But I'm not saying technically because I think that will reverse. I do think Wichita State will win this conference uh, Wichita State at nine and two, Houston at eleven and three, number two. Memphis at number three is eight and three, and SMU is seven and four at number four. SMU, I believe, plays uh, Houston towards the end of the season, and maybe also Wichita State actually. But Houston also plays Memphis, so if Wichita State maybe loses a few games, you could see Memphis sliding in if they beat Houston. But I think it's still Wichita State. I don't care that Houston's the number six team in the country. They are down in the loss column. All right. Well, I was bagging on Houston earlier and said, you know, what happened to Houston? We talked about them being the two seed in the top 16, revealed them going out losing to Wichita State following recent loss to East Carolina. Um, They had some postponements. Houston's going to come back and win this conference. Finally, we disagree on our last picks. So uh, that wraps up our podcast for this week. Uh, Please join us for our next podcast, which will be on Monday, February 22nd, where we will... As always, review the latest NBA action and check out the accuracy of Patrick's weekend predictions. In the meantime, please please be sure to go to our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. And check out Patrick's additional content, including his full NCAA tournament bracket predictions. Thank you for listening.